0: Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. I hope this today is a blessing to your soul as it has been uh, to me as God has downloaded it into my spirit. I just want to give it to you today. The Bible says in verse 1, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered, everybody say revered, Revered. he revered the Lord. But now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Let me just stop right there and, and let me just say this to you before we read on. We are often made to think in the American church and in Christian circles that if you love the Lord, you will have no problem. That's just not true. We are made to think that if we're faithful to our church, if we tithe, if we come to pastor's Bible study, I'll have no problems. But she says right here in verse 1, I'm a church woman. My husband loves Jesus. And now he's dead. And with his dying, she has lost income. An income that was so intense that she'd gone from being a church lady to a church widow. And now the creditors are coming to take her children, and to top it off, her boys are going to become slaves, which was the custom of that day. Needless to say, this woman had pain, this woman had problems, and many of you know where there's pain and there's problems, there comes worry. She had some worry all up in her spirit and in her heart and in her mind. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Watch this. Your servant has nothing here at all. Then she said, except for this little small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Then the Bible switches and said, One day Elisha went to Shunem. And a well-to-do woman, somebody say well-to-do, was there, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat, She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof. Put a bed. Put a table. Put a chair. Put a lamp in there for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Two women, one prophet. These two women can teach us a lot. And this one prophet can teach us a lot. So today I simply want to stand in between these two women and I want to teach you today that your God is the capacity filler. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good one today, Dave. The capacity filler. Let's pray. Father... Maybe somebody already knows where I'm going. That's good. Those that don't, catch them up. Let us all receive it today through the eyes of the Spirit instead of through the eyes of our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's let's dissect this first woman. This first woman was in the company of the prophets of Elisha. She was obviously known in her community, she was a blessed woman, she had two children, she had a home, things were taken care of, things were looking good, and her husband dies and it changes her world forever. And it's bad enough to grieve, bad enough to lose a person that laid beside you for years, but it's even more difficult to grieve when you're filled with worry. Worry of wondering where in the world will the next meal come from. Wrestling with the thoughts in her heart of losing the only two boys that she has left. And such was the case with this woman. And when she finally sees the prophet, she throws her problems and her pain and her worry up in her up in his face and he says she says as as essence pastor you know who my husband was you know how faithful and how loyal he was and now he's dead, a dead and now we're in debt. And here's this woman so consumed with worry She was down so low that she can't even figure how to get up. She says, I'm in trouble. I'm about to lose everything. But a prophet stops by her house and he changes her entire life. The prophet so revolutionized her life that she she was never, ever the same again. And he didn't give her a dime. He didn't bring anything into her house. He didn't bring her a herd of cattle. He didn't bring her uh, seeds to plant a garden. He didn't till a garden. He didn't farm a garden. He didn't come with a bag of gold. All he did was he came with his voice and he focused. Somebody say focused. He focused her mind on what she already had now don't miss this the bible says that this woman every day was walking right past the strategy of her miracle worry had her looking at her past worry had her so blurred that she could not even see her present Worry had her so out of focus about what could happen, about what might happen, worried about the future that she was missing her today. She says to the prophet, they're after my kids. They're going to make them slaves. Worry had her so unfocused that she was missing the strategy to the miracle and the miracle was right there in front of her. Because the prophet asked her, what do you have in your house? He didn't join her worry and say, well, you know, this could possibly happen, and, and that might possibly happen, and what if that happened? No, 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 no. He says, what do you have right now? Because church, God will always use what you have right now, and he'll never use what you've lost. Are you hearing me? So I've come by to reveal to you today that there is a strategy to your miracle. But you just keep walking past it each and every day. You keep walking past the strategy of your miracle every Sunday that you come into this church. And I'll get to that, so just hang on. But the prophet came not to give her the miracle, but to show her the miracle. And can I tell you that's why I love my job? That's why I love my job, because every Sunday that I get up here, I get to open up the Word of God and show a bunch of people how to get the miracles out of the Word of God. And if you're truly a child of God, what should be happening on Sunday is light should be going off in your spirit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to where you go home and you're able to go home and say, Well, Wait a minute, devil. I've found the strategy of the Word of God and I'm applying it to my life and you better step back because my God is able. He says, what do you got in your house? The prophet asked her, what do you got in the house? And the first answer is the most telling answer because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. So we get a glimpse of what's in her heart. What does she say? I have nothing. I've got nothing. And you'd be shocked at the number of people in this church who are up against something right now, and you are convinced you have nothing. I don't have this. I don't have that. I am not this. I am not that, and you have convinced yourself in your mind, I have nothing. And I've come by to let you know is when you think that way, it is the sign of the spirit of the enemy. In order for her to say, I have nothing, the enemy had been talking in this woman's ear before the prophet ever got there. Because for the enemy to ever come into your life and begin to whisper thoughts in your head, you first have to date him. Understand the enemy is like an abuser. What an abuser does is the abuser cuts off your attributes, cuts off your relationships, cuts off your finances. He bears down on you and convinces you that you are nothing. You're dumb. You're stupid. Nobody wants you. You better be glad that I'm the only person on this earth that loves you. Your mama don't love you. Your daddy don't love you. Your friends don't love you. I'm the only one that loves you, baby. And that's the kind of talk that beats you down until you think in your head that you have nothing and then you allow the abuser to do anything to you because at least the abuser likes me. And since I told you last week that your mind is your power, I want you to be able to be so focused that you identify the enemy when he starts messing with your mind. So let's go ahead and get it fixed right now before I continue to preach. Look at your neighbor and say, I got something. Tell him again, I got something. When the devil's trying to convince you you got nothing, you need to switch it on him and go, oh, no, devil, I got something. You're fooling with the wrong person this year. I got more than enough. See, when you understand that you got something, and I'm going to tell you what you got in a minute, so hang on. When you see that you got something, that's really where the miracle begins. When you can honestly know in your spirit, I got something, that sentence, baby, is chain breaking. That sentence is yoke breaking. That sentence is an empowering sentence. That sentence right there can shake worry, problems, and pain right out of your life. Say it again and say it with authority. I got something. Right now, I I just feel it in my spirit. I, I break right now in the name of Jesus every abusing spirit in this place, any spirit that is trying to convince you that you are worthless. The devil is a liar. In the name of Jesus, say it again. Say, I got something. At first she said, I ain't got nothing at all. I ain't got nothing. Look at how low she was thinking in her spirit. Look at how much faith she had in the negativity rather than the positivity. She was getting ready, church, to sell her boys as slaves and they weren't even slaves yet. The creditors haven't even come yet. But she was confessing it. So I can tell that her muscle of faith was so weak because of worry... That when the prophet came, she said to him, I have nothing at all. But what I've known is to deal with people as a pastor for so long, whether it was the anointing off of Elisha's life or just to be in the presence of a prophet, they begin to change a little because she went first of saying, I have nothing at all, to saying, except this little jar. Something and the anointing of Elisha began to lift her faith a little bit that at least she said, except this little jar full of olive oil. Somebody say full. The prophet did not even ask her for that jar. The prophet said, Get your sons, put them to work, and I want you to go, and I want you to borrow from your neighbors. Empty jars. Somebody say empty. Oh, maybe y'all get it in a second. The prophet was showing her the strategy to her miracle because she was walking past And she was stepping over a full jar of oil that she was so blurred and so unfocused and so full of worry that she didn't realize that an empty jar meant more capacity. Come on, church. Wake up this morning and hear the word of the Lord. Somebody say, I got something. I still don't know what I got, Pastor. I'm about to tell you. When you learn. To come to God empty, you bring Him capacity. And God loves to flow into and God loves to fill capacity. Come on and give Him praise. She and her sons went and borrowed empty jars and the oil responded to capacity. Are you hearing me this morning? Why? God is attracted to capacity. He's attracted to capacity. He's attracted to emptiness. Because I'm here today to tell you don't expect God to fill you if you come here spiritually obese. Don't expect God to fill you if you don't come here thirsty. Don't expect God to fill you if you walk in this church full of pride. Don't expect God to move in your life if you come in here full of cynicism. Don't expect God to save a soul if we don't put Him up there on that wall. God feels emptiness and capacity. Somebody give Him praise in this place. By the looks of some of you, I knew this was going to be hard today. Just to prove it to you. If you go into the Gospels, the disciples said, the people are hungry. They looked through the eyes of flesh and said, shoo them away. God looked through the eyes of the Spirit and said, no, let them stay. Because if there's hunger, there's capacity. And if you come as an empty vessel, God always has the flow to feel that capacity to overflowing. But here's the problem. The reason that God doesn't move so strongly anymore in the American church and in your life is you're too full. What am I full of? All your stuff. (laughs) What is my stuff? Ask the Holy Ghost. We're not hungry enough. I can tell we're not hungry enough when people are like, Time to go yet? Oh, he's still working. We're not emptied enough. I know we're not hungry enough when we have an altar call and it's five minutes long. I get you to get on your knees. We've downed it to about a minute. We can't tarry in the presence of God for us to first empty ourselves to where He can then fill us. And if the American church would get hungry for God, the Bible promises that God would open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we would not even be able to contain. I know we're not hungry enough when half the time you wake up and you're too tired to come to church. <laughs> But whenever we get hungry in this church, individually and corporately, God will move. Are you with me? That's the first woman. First woman was so full of worry that she was stepping over the strategy of a miracle. Her pot was so full that there was no capacity. And she didn't realize emptiness brought capacity because she was so focused on being full of worry. Now let's look at the second woman. And I got it back to the first one. You got to love the first woman because these are two people in the church. The first woman's like, ah, pastor, my life is going downhill. Help me. At least she's out there in the open with it. Let's watch the second one. The second woman, she's rich. Somebody just say it, rich. When the Bible says you're well to do, honey, you are rich. All right. She is rich. She's rich because she's got a husband. She's rich because she's got a house. And I know she's rich because to take a building project under in Bible times means you're rich. She is the subcontractor of the building project that we're just going to add a room for the profit. Let's go out to the market and look for a table, and look for a bed, and look for a chair, and look for a lamp, <laughs> Just in case a person of his caliber happens to come by our humble abode, he has a place to stay with us. The upper echelon of the community. (laughs) So here we have Elijah lying in the lap of luxury. And he's not used to this. He's being fed by people. Doesn't know where the next place he'll stay. He's he's a man living by faith, and now all of a sudden he's got his own place. He is not used to this. How do I know? Because I know it, because if you read on in the story, I can sense him being uncomfortable because he's like, uh, do you need anything? I mean, there's gotta be something that you need. Can, can I do something for you? And and she Oh, no, I'm all good. Everything's fine. Blessed, highly favored, anointed, and well-adjusted. How are you doing today? I've got it all together. That's what she was doing. Read on in the story. She says that. The prophet says, okay, I see that you're full of all of this stuff. Since you don't need stuff, maybe you need influence. Can I introduce you to the king? And she says, nope, I know him too. I invite him over for tea and brisket. So what is she? She's full of stuff, and she's comfortable. So today as I stand in between these two women, there's some things I want you to really see. The first woman has pain, she has problems, and she has worry. Now she is open about her pain. She says, I have nothing. Pastor, the enemy has done me wrong. Pastor, the boys are about to be slaves. Pastor, I'm about to starve to death. She is so full of worry about her future. She cannot see the strategy of her miracle. And the strategy of her miracle was capacity. The second woman, she is so well off. That she pretends that she has no problems at all. I'm good. I don't need a thing. Nothing is bothering me. Seriously, don't pressure me. I'm all good. But privately, she is miserable. Privately, she is miserable. Well, how do you know, pastor? If you read the story, eventually the servant came to Elisha He said, Elisha, the only thing that she doesn't have is a child, and her husband is old. Now, to some of you, you'd be like, oh, but to the prophet, he knows the principles of God, and he gets excited, and he says, Praise God Almighty, I can do something now because I found capacity, I found poverty. I found an empty womb and understand church that God blesses nothing if there is no capacity, but the prophet found something that she could not do for herself. And when we look at these two women, the first woman looks poor, but after looking at the poor woman, I realized the poor woman is really rich and the rich woman is really poor because listen to me, church, the rich woman would have given all of her money for what the poor woman had in her home. She was privately miserable, privately wrestling with her pain and her problem and her worry. The poor woman is a mother. She has brought life into the world. She has brought two boys on this earth to affect the next generation. She, the rich woman, might be dressed up in fancy The other woman may have to wear clothes from Walmart, but at least she's loved. (laughs) She is loved in only the way that two boys can love a mother. She has a love, and I see the poor woman is not as poor as I thought, and the rich woman is not as rich as I thought. And then I got to thinking about society. Isn't that what we do? I'm poor. How many else is in that class with me? And what do poor people do? We look at rich people. If only I had their money. If only I had the job like they had. If only I had the opportunity like they had. I wouldn't have the problems that I have. And there would be nothing to worry about because money would fill me up. Money would give me the comforts that I need and solve my problems, but what we don't know is their worry and their problems and their pain hurt the people that are poor that have worry and problems and pain because what I find out, whether it's public all up in the prophet's face or private hiding it from the prophet, pain is pain. Problems is problems, and worry is worry just like being a pastor. Just because I study the Word, just because I preach the Word, just because some of you come to my office to draw from me, to seek wisdom, sometimes I think people actually forget that I'm a person. Beneath all of this, and the microphone, and the voice, and the study, after I get through preaching, I go home to my couch. After giving wisdom and pouring out to you, I go to home to my problems and my pain and my worry so the problem rich or poor congregant or pastor we all have the same miracle in front of us but we walk past it every day maybe we walk past it every day because we're so full of worry that we miss it maybe we walk past it every Sunday because we're so full of pride that we dare not want anybody to see us go to the altar because they might think that we've got a problem they might think that we don't have it all together. (laughs) So we carry a secret pain and we still miss our miracle. Because we all have the same miracle in front of us and that miracle is the ability to bring capacity. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? How do I have the ability to bring God capacity? This is going to be the toughest word for the Nebraska culture. Are you ready? Wake up if you're asleep. Say it with me. I have to break. And everybody's quiet. Didn't clap because you don't know the spiritual gravity of that word. Because I don't know if you've ever done it. Breaking is the ability to snot it up at this altar, cry it with tears, and say, God, I can't do it without you. We're independent. I don't need nobody's help. Not even God's. So you're making yourself a God. Got it. But when we learn to break before God's presence, it's only in that moment that God sees capacity and He sees your need and God will fill and He'll flow wherever there's capacity. And the reason that God moves so powerfully in third world countries and they're walking two to three miles to get to a church service is because they don't have prescriptions. They don't have doctors. Their baby's got a sickness and if I don't get it to a church service in the presence of God, my baby's gonna die. And God, I need you so I'll walk three miles just to worship in your presence in the hopes and the faith that you'll touch my baby, hopefully through the prophet's hand. They don't have anything else but God. But here in America, we get in our comfy little cars. You want to go to church today? I mean, sure, you know, Northfield's... I mean, there's something going on there. Pastor yells a lot. but (laughs) You ever notice he goes long? Sometimes it don't feel long. You know, there is something he said last week that I agree with. All the other stuff I don't really care for. But yeah, let's go back. I'm speaking truth. Some will come. They got a sickness. Yeah, I'll go down to the altar. Hopefully God will touch me. If not, I've got a doctor's appointment Wednesday. And I'll get in my nice little Escalade and I'll drive to Walgreens and get my prescription, pop the pills. I'll feel good. And all this stuff has made us comfortable. It fools us into thinking that we are full And when we are full, there is no capacity for God to move in your life. The rich woman didn't look like she needed anything like many of you in this room. Because she was so full of herself and so full of pride and so full of stuff. But the other woman, she looked like she needed everything because she was losing all of her stuff. So here we have two women, both women have capacity and God wanted to fill it. One was in an area that we can obviously see, it was vocal, but she couldn't see her miracle. The other woman we couldn't even see until we really dissect the story, she wasn't even really willing to break in a minute and she was blocking her capacity. The rich woman, her need was a secret one. Like many of you. That you wrestle with in the middle of the night and nobody knows but you. The prophet didn't even know. The servant had to come and tell him. Late in the midnight hour, this rich woman I know had a problem and had pain and was worrying and crying over a problem because she did not have any children. This poor woman was crying and worried and had pain and worrying that she'd lose her children. Yet both of these women needed the same God that is the capacity filler. What I'm trying to show you, church, this morning and every Sunday, I don't care who you are. There are many shades of problems, pain, and worry in this place. But we serve a God, and He is the capacity filler. So what God does through the power of the Holy Spirit in this text, these two stories are up next to each other. And the same God that steps into a house to fill a jar is the same God that steps into the house and fills a womb. He's a God that can do anything. And church, what I'm trying to tell you is whatever your problem is wherever your pain is, whatever you're worried about, if you'll learn to break in these services, whether worship or at the altar or in the privacy of your home or in the car or out in the field and say, God, I've got this problem. I've got this need. I can't do it on my own. Here I am doing what my pastor said. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and all of your righteousness and your word says that you will add all these things unto me. I need you God But you've got to come to your breaking point. And when you come to your breaking point, God sees need and he flows where there is capacity for him. And when you have capacity in your life for him to fill whatever it is you want. Whatever it is you need wherever you have lack in your life. I came by to tell somebody in this room this morning, I don't care if you're white or black or rich or poor or Republican or Democrat, if you've got a need and you'll break and make capacity, your God is the capacity filler. But if you want to leave here so full of worry, so full of problems, and so full of pain, and you're comfortable, and I got this and I got that, and and you're okay with your situation, God's going to sit back and watch you. But the moment you start focusing on Him and saying, God, I have a need, and I need you to fill it, God sees capacity. He starts filling. He fills the problem, He fills the pain. He feels the situation. He feels the circumstance. And He touches your life. Somebody say, capacity brings flow. When there is no capacity, there's stagnation. Well, I just feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, Pastor. You need to break. I just feel like I'm in a desert place. You need to break. I just don't sense the presence of God anymore. You need to break. You're so stagnant with yourself and with your pride and with your problems, with your pain, and with your thoughts of what it should happen, what should and what I think the pastor should say and what he shouldn't say. You know what? You need to break. Break, 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 break. Church power is always in the flow. Because don't miss this. God didn't change the size of the container, He changed the amount of the flow. Don't forget the two fish and five loaves. He took the bread and he did what with it? He broke the bread. And every time he broke the bread, the more it multiplied. The more you learn to break yourself, the more he's going to multiply in your life. It was a small pot of oil, but the more she poured, baby, the more it multiplied because God responds to capacity. And some of us walk out of here so full of worry, so full of trying to work it out on our own, manipulating the system, guilt-tripping people to where I can get my way, so full of trying to get it together. When we don't, there's no capacity. Because you're taking the reins of your life. And when there's no capacity, there's stagnation. But when you learn to break before God and give it to God, wherever there's brokenness, there's capacity for Him to flow. So church, we got to learn how to break ourselves. And I guarantee you, when you learn how to do it privately, individually, and you come corporately, God's going to step in and start flowing not only in your life, but in these services. And when He flows in your life, And you learn, wow, this is the strategy to my miracle. I break before him. I empty myself out before him. He begins to fill me. When he fills that problem, guess what? When you have a problem two weeks later, you know what to do again. You know how to call on him again then suddenly now I've got a strategy for every miracle in my life because if you ever want to write a sentence down, I've whispered this in some of your ears at the altar. You may have forgot it. Don't ever forget it. Wherever there's brokenness, there's capacity for God to fill you. As the musicians come, right now in the name of Jesus, as they're walking up right now, I come against everything in this room that hinders people's ability to be broken before an almighty God that's hindering any flow in this church and in their life. May we all break in your presence in Jesus' name. I see it in your faces. I see it in your countenance. I'm not reading you wrong. We walk past our miracle Sunday after Sunday. And let me show you why. Let Let me have my pots here. We are so fleshly that we can't see spiritually. If I was going to Home Depot to buy a pot to hold some water through the eyes of the flesh, this one here is more valuable. This is a piece of junk. I ain't going to hold nothing. Oh, they even put that on the shelf. It's broke. Manager, you've got a broke pot out here. Nobody wants this pot. Because in our eyes, this is more valuable. But not to God. We don't perceive brokenness is more valuable. Because you look at it through the eyes of flesh. Good, pastor. Real good. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I don't need that altar. Barely even need this church. Barely even need you. I'm just here because my wife drug me here. Ho, ho! <laughs> and I'll look at you and go, I'll be praying for this in your life. <laughs> because this is more valuable in the spirit. When you perceive this vessel here is more valuable than this vessel here, you will receive your miracle. You miss the miracle every time when you lack spiritual vision. And where there is no spiritual vision in your life, there is no provision in your life. So when the prophet gets out of his pew, and he walks to the stage and he stands behind here and he tells you wherever there is brokenness in your life, there is capacity for God to fill your life, I bring you spiritual vision for your life and if you follow the prophet's instruction, provision is always right behind it. The little lady followed the prophet's vision and she got out of debt. But some of us, oh, that was was a good speech. I've given you two instructions so far this year. Number one, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And number two, you better stay broken this year. Those two points right there create flow. And when there is a flow of God in your life, then He shall supply all of your needs. If you want addition, get the two right. So, whatever devil is in your head right now saying you have nothing, uh uh, baby, I've got something. I got the ability to break myself before God and let him flow in me. So, you better step back, devil, because when I get to breaking, he gets to shaking, and you're going to shake right out of my life. I got something got the strategy to my miracle now devil. now don't miss this and I'll get out of you here the poor woman had a full jar the rich woman she was full and comfy both women had problems that brought pain and there was worry But let's just reverse that for a second. And don't miss this. God gave me a revelation about worry. Remember, where there's a problem, comes pain, and then worry. And if I reverse that, I got to thinking, could worry. See, my brother always told me, he said, son, not son, brother, brother, He said, worry is a useless emotion. And I have believed that all the way up until now. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because now I've discovered that worry is an indication of a gauge to show me that I'm not broken enough before God. It is there to let me know that I haven't created the capacity for Him to feel the pain. That caused the problem that brought the worry. Are you hearing me? So maybe God has allowed that problem to make you hungry for Him. Not to be chained down with worry and to chase it, but to break before Him and to chase Him. Maybe God has allowed that problem because you're too comfortable and too full of all your stuff. Maybe God has allowed the problem to make you seek His face. To make you call on His name. To make you praise Him a little stronger on Sunday. To make you raise your hands a little higher on Sunday. To make you break before Him at the altar so that He could fill you once again. Because when worry comes, don't let it rob you of the promise. Always understand it's an indication to run to the promise. That he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could think or imagine. Because listen to me, you would never ask, seek, or knock if he didn't allow the problem. You would never ask, seek or knock if he didn't allow the failure. You would never ask, seek or knock if he didn't allow you to go out there and try it on your own just to show you you would fail. So the word for somebody in this room this morning, whoever in this room is tired of struggling. You're tired of being worried over your situation. You're tired of focusing on your problem rather than the problem solver. If you would just get up right now and come to this altar and bring your need to God and break before Him, He will fill you up today. I promise you. Would you start coming? He is the capacity filler. Whatever your need is physical, financial, emotional, marital, personal wherever you learn to break, you create capacity and He will fill it. He will fill it. He will never fill what's full, He always fills capacity. And if you're at this altar right now, wherever you learn to run out, that's where He he comes and runs in. Wherever you run out, He will run in. If you're an elder, elder's wife, would you come and start praying? So I close with this for the rest of us that are sitting. As long as we want to come in Sunday after Sunday and act like the rich woman, and pretend that we have no need, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm comfortable, i got my stuff, i got it all together, I don't need anything. We will never give Him a place to flow. As long as we walk in this place and act like the poor woman, oh my God, my life's falling apart, I'm so full of worry. Pastor, what if this happened? What if that happened? What could happen? Oh my gosh. And you go away from a sermon rehearsing negative thoughts day in and day out. You don't give him a place to flow. But when you come to this altar or in the privacy of your worship or in your car driving to work or on the tractor plowing the field saying, God, I've tried everything. I've tried to do it without you. I've tried to fix it without you. But now I've come to a place and I'm empty now. And I'm broken now. I don't know what to do about the situation. I don't know if I can fix it. I don't know if I can even keep my mind together. I don't even know if I can handle it. I'm broken now. I'm empty now. Would the capacity filler fill me now? I promise you. He will flow and He will fill wherever there's capacity because He is the capacity filler. As you're sitting there and you're praying for your brothers and sisters up at this altar and our board members and their spouses and my wife, we pray, if you've walked in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, I've got news for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again from the dead for you. And He's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. And if you don't know Him, the only thing that He's praying right now is that the light of the Word of God would illuminate your dark soul and that you would be drawn to the cross of Calvary and understand that the blood can flow over anything in this room and separate your sins as far as the east is from the west and He will hold it against you no more. If you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, whether at the altar or in the pew, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've walked in this place backslidden. Maybe you knew him at one time, but you've walked away, but you want to come back. Maybe you don't even know him, but you want to know him. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to join the kingdom of God. If that's you, would you raise your hand high where I can see it and say, Pastor, that is me. Anybody in this house? Altar in the pew? Anybody in this house? I just need a relationship with Jesus, Pastor. Anybody in this room? Stand you your feet all over this place. We're going to pray. We're going to praise. There may be somebody up here that you know. I want to give you the liberty to come pray for them right now. You may know exactly what they're going through, their pain, their problem, their worry, because we are family here and you may know it. I just want to encourage you to come, put a warm hand upon that cold shoulder and begin to pray for them and let the power of God flow through you unto them as we get to see their miracle as they empty themselves out at this altar. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for everybody up here that Father God, where they empty themselves out, where they run out of themselves, run out of ideas, run out and have exhausted everything that they can think of, Father God, this is where you run in. This is where you begin to fill them from the top of the head to the sole of their feet. Father God, you begin to feel that problem right now, that that pain right now, that that worries being broken off right now, that situation that they didn't think was going to be solved is being solved right now. That that job that they need is being opened right now. That person that needs to be saved is being saved right now. That person that's addicted to alcohol is being free right now. That, That loved one that's addicted to drugs is being free right now. That, that bill that's mounting upon them and they don't know where the funds are going to come from. Right, right now, a supernatural miracle is taking place on their behalf because they're emptying themselves out and they say, I can't do it without you, God. Fill us today, oh God. Fill us today, oh God. I'm not asking you to break us. We're breaking. We're breaking it. We're breaking, breaking our thoughts, breaking our ideas, breaking our philosophies, breaking our schemes, breaking what we thought could solve a problem, just breaking our pride right now before an almighty God with our hands lifted to You, our tears dripping from You, saying, "Oh God, move in my situation. Move in my situation. In Jesus' name and Jesus. The rest of you, let's sing this song of worship. Let me pray for you. I just pray right now that you have received the Word of God instead of allowed the enemy to harden your heart towards the Word of God. Whether you realize it now or you realize it sometime in the future. I have given you a pearl from heaven. I've given you a principle and a strategy that'll help your life whenever something comes your way. Wherever there is brokenness, there is capacity for God to fill. Don't you ever forget it. Father, ingrain it in our spirits. Let us walk it out in our lives. Let us see this principle bring the miracle. Let us see this principle bring revival to our lives and bring revival to this church. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen.